Welcome to THN on the O. It's the hockey news podcast about the Ontario Hockey League brought to you by BetMGM. I am Ryan Kennedy, joined as always by the expert Tony Ferrari. Tony, we just had Canadian Thanksgiving. What are you thankful for when it comes to the OHL so far? Well, as we record this, the NHL season is kicking off tonight, so I'm very thankful for that. But in the OHL, it's got to be a good draft class. It's been a couple of years since we've had a really, really good OHL draft class. And this year with Dickinson, Muse, Zane Parikh, Liam uh, Greentree, Anthony Cristoforo, even Ryzen Leanders, who we're going to talk about yet again this week. It's a really good draft class, it feels like, for the first time in at least a few years in the OHL. I agree. And, you know, looming in the background the past couple of years has obviously been that lost pandemic season where there was no OHL hockey. And, you know, talking to scouts the past couple of years, it really felt like that impacted kids not only in that draft class, but the ones that didn't have the proper U16 season and the ones maybe who had already been drafted that didn't have the same experience. You know, some of them got to go to the AHL for a bit like a Tyson Forrester, but not all of them did. So I, I would agree. We, we definitely are at a place now where everything feels like it's been normal on the ice and scouts can really get that sort of holistic sense of what a kid is about over the span of a couple of years. For me, I'm thankful that the Memorial Cup is going to be in Saginaw because it gives me an excuse to go to Culver's and get burgers there and also get some more Michigan style pizza, which is so, so filling and so, so lovely. Uh, now, obviously, that will be at the very end of the year, but I am thankful at least for the opportunity to have that excuse. Uh, let's get into some hockey. You mentioned Ryerson Leanders. We'll do our three stars from opening weekend. Ryerson Leanders, the goaltender for Mississauga, as you mentioned, he's draft eligible this summer. Kid's just been on a super tear, Tony. Yeah, he's been fantastic to start the year. And I, I actually did something on Ryerson Linders, did an interview with him, and it's in the newest Hockey News magazine, the goalie edition. And I expected this kid to do good things this year. I did not expect him to be running at the, the rate he's at. This week he had two wins, a 981 save percentage, one goal on 54 shots. This kid's been absolutely fantastic. He's already got two shutouts on the year. There isn't much that you can really ask for out of this kid going into the year, especially with they drafted a, a goalie high with Jack Ivanovich, and you expected him to have some pressure. He hasn't had it, but, man, this kid's been fantastic to start the year. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, it is interesting because he's still young for a starting goaltender in major junior. You know, you do get those guys that are really good, obviously, but – you know, for Mississauga to head into the year with essentially a 17-year-old and a 16-year-old, kind of bold to do that. But clearly, they believed in Leanders. You know, they saw a decent amount of him last year. And then, of course, with Ivankovic, he was the best goalie in the draft class. So, you know, you're going to have some faith in him. For me, I'm, and again, it's early goings, but with how well Leanders is playing, he's about six foot one. I wonder if he is maybe this year's Trey Augustine, who was incredible with the USNTDP last year and then, of course, was drafted by the Detroit Red Wings, ironically also featured in the goalie issue of THN. I, I interviewed him, and uh, he is now at Michigan State, so I interviewed Adam Nightingale, their coach, uh, for that piece. So you get Leanders and Augustine in the goalie issue. How's that for being simpatico? Um, we'll move on to the second star now. Jordan Dentino, 
with the Sioux Greyhounds, an older player here, has uh, really broken out seven points and uh, four goals in three games. Uh, what are you seeing from him, Tony? He's just been really fun to watch, I think, this year. You're seeing now that he's in his age 20 season, he's really kind of taking the OHL by storm. He's putting up a ton of points, being a, a play driver and a, a contributor for that Sioux team that's really been dominant for most of the season. I watched him come into Windsor here the other day, and they just simply outclassed Windsor, who who hasn't really been all that good this year in general. But the Sioux Greyhounds showed they were the better team on that night. And that was the quietest night of his week so far this week. And he's at seven points in three games. He's been absolutely fantastic. When you start to put up offensive numbers like that, you wonder how sustainable it is. And that's going to be the big thing for the Sioux Greyhounds team. Who's going to be sustaining that uh, attack up front? Uh, it would be really interesting to see a guy like Jordan Dentino go do it. Yeah, and I'm, I think we're probably going to talk about some other Greyhounds later in the podcast, but they are certainly one of the good stories so far. And doing it, a lot of older players on the team really kind of breaking through, which is always interesting. Another older player uh, is our third star of the week, Denny Gouray, uh, with the Owen Sound attack, five points in three games, 73% in the faceoff dot. Uh, what have you seen from Gouray? It's just him building off of last year. I think this is a guy that has shown the ability to be a dominant, impactful player at both ends of the ice in the OHL over the last last year and especially coming into the start of this year that 73 percent in the face-off dots and incredibly important i think there are times where we overrate face-offs there are times when we underrate face-offs but when you're winning three quarters of your face-offs you're kind of doing well in all situations so that's a really big thing for him and he's helping lead that that owen sound attack team and they've got colby barlow in there they've got a lot of guys in that team that's going to be a veteran laden good team in the ohl this year and denny gurry is going to be a really big part of that this year yeah, we did talk about Owen Sound, obviously, in our, our week, or sorry, our, uh, our season preview last week. And being one of those squads where it's like the attack always seemed to be in the mix and they don't necessarily have like the really high draft picks coming into the season, but they always seem to make it work. And if it's a team effort, then that's how you do it. And Gure obviously has been a, a pretty good player for them the past few years. Uh, so good on him. Uh, we'll get to the news of the week now. Uh, pretty significant, call it a three-way trade uh, when all was said and done. Uh, Sarnia trades goaltender Ben Gaudreau to Erie for fellow netminder Nolan Lalonde and three draft picks, a third, a fourth, and a sixth. Then they flip Lalonde to Saginaw for a fifth-round draft pick, kicking off what seems to be a teardown for the Sting as they look to recoup some assets. So... Tony, Ben Gaudreau, originally drafted by San Jose, but not signed by the Sharks. Um, you know, speaking of goaltenders who came into the league with a lot of hype, I remember Gaudreau at the OHL Cup a few years ago playing for uh, the Northern Ontario kind of all-star squad that they put together. And, you know, big kid, uh, obviously uh, played for the Canadian World Junior Team at one point, uh, but never really seemed to find his flow, I would say, uh, particularly with Sarnia. The numbers just really weren't there. Um, what do you make of this trade, I, really, from, from all three teams? You got Sarnia, Erie, and Saginaw all getting in the mix there. Well, I'll start with Ben Goudreau going to Erie, and I think it's a really interesting trade because it gives Erie a goaltender that has a ton of pedigree. This is a kid that 
has had really good moments at times. I remember at the U18s, he came in during that COVID year, and he was the best goalie there for the Canadian squad. I thought he was really, really good. But I think he's one of these players that have been affected by that COVID shutdown, that lost year, essentially, in the OHL. He wasn't able to kind of continue that growth that he showed in his early in his career and as he was getting towards the OHL. And he hasn't really been able to get back on track. He has flashes of really good play, stretches of really good play. I know last year he went to the World Juniors, was expected to be the starter, kind of went in, didn't really do a good job, and then got replaced. And, and then when he went back to Sarnia, the questions were, is he going to be able to build off that? And initially he did, and then he started to tail off again towards the end of the season. This is a very good goaltender in stretches. He just hasn't ever been able to find the consistency. It's going to be interesting if you can do that behind a, a, a good team in the Erie. It's it's a interesting acquisition for them. They get to bring in a guy that can kind of help kind of solidify the crease a little bit if he can get any consistency in his game. As for Sarnia, they're they're looking for draft picks. Like you said, they're trying to re- recoup some of the assets they've given up over the last couple of years, trading for veterans, trading for impact players in the OHL. And, and then for Saginaw getting Nolan Lalonde, that's just them doing the thing that we talked about earlier and earlier on the preview episode where we said, is Andrew Oak going to be able to be the guy in Saginaw? Is he going to be able right. to lead that team to an OHL title or, or challenge them for an OHL title and really be a, an impactful player, an impactful team in the Memorial Cup when they host it at the end of the year? I think Nolan Lawton brings in a little bit of experience. Uh, it kind of gives them that, that insurance policy if, if Andrew Oak can't be the guy. Certainly. And – you know, when you're going all in like Saginaw will be, I'm sure we'll see some other moves closer to the deadline. But you're right. I mean, you want to have at least two goaltenders. And it really helps that both of them are OHL veterans. One thought I had with this trade, with Sarnia, you know, appearing to sort of tear down, there's kind of an interesting history, at least in my mind, with the Sting, where let's say, for example, they get the number one pick, in this year's OHL draft. The number one prospect right now is Brady Wasselin, uh, who plays for the Markham Majors. He is an absolute monster. I think he had five goals in his first two periods uh, this year. I think at one point he had 13 goals in five games. Right now it seems like he's number one with a bullet. So if he goes to Sarnia, then you're continuing this cycle where they had Steven Stamkos to build around. They had... Alex Galchenyuk, and then Nail Yakupov, who was number one in the import draft to build around. You have, they had Pavel Zaka, uh, number one overall. You have these big kind of roller coasters with the Sting where they get some pretty intriguing players over the years to build around, maybe. And and hey, we're literally at the very beginning of the season, so who knows what's going to happen. But will Brady Wasselin be the next great Sarnia Sting player going first overall. Something to keep an eye on, I would say. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting to see because they are in that that mode of, are they gunning for the first overall pick? No team intentionally tanks. The players in the ice and the coaching don't tank. But the front office can kind of give them the tools to tank unintentionally. And I I think that might be what's happening in Sarnia. Yeah, and and hey, that's just the cycle of junior hockey, right? I mean, Sarnia loaded up last year. And, you know, you try to make your run with older players and NHL prospects, but you only have them for so long. And then you got to go down to the bottom again, get the young kids, build them up, and you do it all over again. It's kind of a three-, four-year cycle that most teams 
you know, not named the London Knights do. You know, <laughs> London always just seems to, you know, graduate players at a steady rate and bring the young kids along. Uh, so, you know, nice problem if you have it. But for a lot of teams in Major Junior, you do have to go boom bust. Um, so we'll see what happens with Sarnia there. And obviously, Saginaw, we're going to be seeing them at the end of the year, no matter what happens, as Memorial Cup hosts. Now, going to go to our NHL Team of the Week uh I guess, review, if you will. Uh, we're going to start with the Boston Bruins. And, you know, this is an organization that they kind of dip in and out of the OHL. If you look historically, or at least, you know, in the past few years, you know, guys like Brett Harrison and Jack Stednicka, um, you know, some years you don't get anything from the OHL from the Bruins. Some years you get a couple. Right now, uh, you got Jackson Edward, defenseman of the London Knights, and then, of course, Matthew Poitra of the Guelph Storm, who is currently still with the Bruins, uh, made the opening night roster, so impressive for him. But, Tony, let's start with Jackson Edward. Uh, Seventh-round pick in 2022, had 25 points from the blue line last year. What do you think of Jackson Edward as a, uh, as a Bruins prospect? He, he's an interesting player. I don't know if the NHL future is quite there for him, and you can kind of say that about just about any seventh-round pick, but he's a depth defenseman on a really good London Knights team. I think this London Knights team has shown the ability to produce high-end defenders, and he's kind of gotten a little, little bit of the short end of the stick because of that. Guys like Sam Dickinson are playing a little bit more, and guys like uh, Oliver, or, uh, yeah, Oliver Bonk are playing more. So Jackson Edwards kind of plays that depth role, understands his place with that team, and hasn't really been able to pop off or develop or really showcase his game fully. So I think he's a guy that we might see as one of those London Knights players that maybe don't ever really pop off in junior. Um, he's only got one goal through four games so far this year, so he's probably going to be around the same production this year, maybe a little bit more. And then he goes to the AHL, and we start to see what he can do when he's not kind of forced into that situation of being that six, seven, five, six, seven guy in London. So He's an interesting prospect, but not a guy that is necessarily guaranteed to get an entry-level contract at any point. So, interesting player, not the highest-end prospect, though, for the Bruins. Fair enough. And I think you make a good point where once he gets to the pro ranks, whether it's in the AHL with Providence or I believe Maine is their ECHL yeah. affiliate, you know, the Bruins aren't exactly loaded when it comes to defense prospects right now. Yeah, I think about Mason Lowry as probably the the best right now, but you do need depth, so who knows. Um, moving on to Matthew Poitra, I mean, frankly, we talked about him on the main THN podcast on Tuesday. This kid, I mean, he was one of the best surprises of training camp, I would say, for any team in the NHL. You know, Boston, we knew that Depth down the middle was going to be a problem this year with Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci gone. But Matthew Poitras, this is a kid that can play in your top six. And all of a sudden, you can play Charlie Coyle as your number three. And then you got Pavel Zaka as a top six as well. But very interesting. Poitras put up numbers. He had some highlight reel goals. You know, he played with some of the skill guys with the Bruins. He played with some of the grinders. He produced either way. So... I mean, if you're the Guelph Storm, you probably hope that he gets a nine-game trial with Boston and then they send him back down. Uh, I don't know necessarily know if that's going to happen, but let's say, for example, that 
at the least, Poitras is available for the World Juniors. Uh, what kind of impact do you think he would have on Team Canada? I think he's going to be a really important forward for Canada if he if he's released. That's the biggest thing, right? With with this situation where he's in Boston, on most teams, I look I look at Poitras and he had a great preseason, and I'd say. I don't think he's going back. I think he's going to, or I think he's going back after the nine games. I think you look at the Fraser Minton situation in Toronto and it's kind of a similar situation, a guy that has put together a great preseason, a great training camp. But at the end of the day, you think he might end up going back to his junior club. And I think most, most situations, Matthew Poitras would be in the, in the similar situation, but with that center depth lacking so much in Boston and needing just a shot of uh, an injection of energy and kind of something to play for down the middle, you can kind of insulate uh, Matthew Poitras with the wingers that they have. They have a lot of really good wingers. Like you said, Charlie Coyle can play number three. Pavel Zach can be that number one guy or number one B or two A guy, whatever you want to call it. And Matthew Poitras can kind of settle into an NHL role over time. He's played fantastically. The biggest thing I worry about is this pace. Is he going to be able to stay at the NHL level? That'll be the biggest thing for me. I could see him being a guy that if he does perform as well as he has in camp, I know Andrew Raycroft was comparing his training camp to Patrice Bergeron's all the way back when he first broke in with the Bruins. It's going to be interesting because if he does make that team, if he does end up getting loaned out to team Canada, does he go back to the junior ranks after that? Like similar to a Shane Wright situation from last year where he goes to the world juniors, helps that team win a, win a gold medal and then gets sent back to junior and, Maybe Guelph trades them. Maybe Guelph keeps them if they are, they're uh, going on a run, depending on where they're ranked at, the, at that point in the season. So it's going to be interesting. I think he'd be a really important player for Team Canada, though, if he does make it there. Yeah, I, I kind of have sort of two thoughts on this. One, you know, going off the World Junior thought, um, Team Canada is going to be very interesting because in terms of returnees from last year's gold medal squad, you're really looking at Owen Beck and Kevin Korczynski. Like, Connor Bedard's not coming back. I don't think Adam Fantilli's coming back. So it's really you got those two guys. Otherwise, things are pretty wide open. There's, like, a pretty good base of players, but I can't think of many who would be absolute surefire on the team. I think it's going to be a great competition in camp. And, of course, you know, guys will emerge based on their junior seasons. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned Fraser Minton. He would be – uh, obviously an excellent candidate, and Poitras would be an excellent candidate as well. But I think it's going to be very interesting to see what Canada's World Junior team looks like this year. I, right now, I have the Americans as the favorite. To me, it's just much more clear yeah. what that team will look like, where it's like Cutter Gauthier, Lane Hudson, Frank Nazar, Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, Gabe Perot. Like, it's, you know, Seamus Casey, you know, Trey Augustine yeah. is your starting goaltender. Like, it's easy where – when I think about Canada, it's like, all right, okay, the goalies are maybe Don DiVincentis and Carson Bjarnason, but I don't know that for sure. You know, Owen Beckin is returning. Kevin Korczynski made the Blackhawks. I mean, they might send him back to WHL Seattle, but w who knows? You know, uh, we got to see how he plays first. And then when it comes to the forward core, there's just a lot of guys that are, you know, is it Matt Savoy? You know, what happens with Zach Benson in Buffalo? Does he stick with the Sabres? Who knows? So very interesting in that regard. And then, you know, I would say with the Bruins, what's kind of interesting with Patra is, you know, let's say he does go to the, they lend him out to the world juniors. Where are the Bruins in the standings at that point? Yeah. Because 
this Atlantic division is fascinating, you know, like Tampa Bay, how are they going to do without Vasilevsky for two months? What's that impact going to have? Florida's blue line is just a mess because they've got injuries going back to their Stanley Cup final run, plus, you know, losing Radko Goodis to free agency. And then you look at, is Buffalo going to make the leap? Is Ottawa going to make the leap? You know, like the Leafs, I think, are kind of safe as a playoff team. But with the Bruins losing Bergeron and Krejci, what kind of success do they have? Do they need Matthew Poitras in order to stay competitive? And what happens if they fall out of the playoff picture early? Do they just say, you know, well, okay, well, let's just get Poitras reps up here and build over the future. Or do they say, let's not burn, you know, uh, a contract year. Uh, You know, like if they get slow out of the gate, do they just say like, well, whatever, let's send him back to Guelph and not burn a year of his contract. So I think there's a lot of fascinating ins and outs regarding the Bruins and Matthew Poitras. And uh, that's actually it for OHL prospects with the Bruins. So let's move on to some surprises to the start of the OHL season, starting with surprisingly good team. Uh, who has been a pleasant surprise for you, Tony? And I, I don't know if it's a surprisingly good team in the way that we didn't expect them to be good. I just didn't know Mississauga was going to be this good. With Like I said, right. Ryzen Leanders has been absolutely fantastic in net. But everyone on that team has been fantastic. We've, we've seen Luke Misa be fantastic. That team up and down, every team I've watched, they've been exciting to watch. They've been really stout defensively. They, they've given Ryerson Leanders the opportunity to put up these big numbers as a unit. So I think for me, that's the, the biggest surprise uh, to start the season in terms of a good team for me. Just because while I thought they were going to be good, I didn't know they'd be this good. And, and they're starting to look like a team that can really challenge for the OHL title if if they can keep this up and let Leanders can keep doing what he's doing in net. Indeed, indeed. And I have a similar one, actually. I'm going to go with the Sioux Greyhounds because they've been red hot coming out the gate. And again, I, I figured the Sioux would be pretty good, but I didn't think they'd be this good this early. Um, you know, Jack Beck, 12 points in six games, you know, drafted by the Calgary Flames, but not signed. So he's obviously playing for a pro deal in his final year of junior and off to a great start, obviously, offensively in that regard. But also rookie Travis Hayes, five goals uh, in six games, eight points overall. And I know you're going to talk about uh, another member of the Greyhounds later on, so I will not spoil that. But, you know, we already mentioned uh, Jordan Dentino and, and how well he is playing. Up and down the lineup, they're getting contributions. I would say the only worry for me for the Greyhounds is in terms of goaltending, the numbers haven't been great so far. They're kind of a fire wagon team right now where their goalies are in the sort of 880s save percentage. Um, but they're winning. And, uh, you know, you can sort of tighten things up later. But at least as of now, uh, you know, if you're scoring that much, then you can't really complain. Uh, so good on the Greyhounds for making it happen. As for a surprisingly bad team, uh, who you've been down on right now, Tony? I've been down on my hometown Windsor Spitfires. I've seen them play a lot this year to start the year. And honestly, their best players have been the young guys. I think uh, Liam Greentree, who, who we'll talk about in a little bit, has been fantastic for them. AJ Spellis, he's been really good coming off the injury. Christophero's been a little bit up and down on the back end, but he's been more up than down. I just think some of the veterans on this team, some of the guys that you were expecting to step up this year, haven't really done it outside of Oliver Pierre. I think he's been really good. But uh, Jacob Mayette's been kind of hit and miss. 
Dinicio on the back end, the Anaheim Ducks prospect. He's been very shaky to start the year. He's a guy that I expected to kind of assert himself on that blue line and really take a lead, uh, a lead role back there. But he's been really kind of shaky with the puck and his defensive flaws have really come out this year. I think you're seeing some of the veterans that left haven't really kind of come, uh, haven't been replaced defensively. And I think that was the, one of the advantages of, of that team is they had a lot of really good, smart veteran forwards and defensemen that were able to come back, cover up for some issues that some of the younger players and some of the riskier players like Dianicio um, commit. And so I think that team has been really shaky for me. And, and then in that Joey Costanzo is a guy that I thought maybe gets drafted despite being a little bit undersized, maybe doesn't and kind of shows out as an overager and starts to earn some pro uh, recognition that way. And he's just flat out not been good to start the year. There, in one game that I went to, he came out of the net, and I think we've all talked about it on Twitter. Goalies need to stay in the crease. Stop trying to play the puck out by the faceoff dots when it was dumped into your own zone. And he's given away the pucks a number of times that have led directly to goals. He's diving back to try to save them, and he's just too far out of the net. So I think from top to bottom, outside of the young guys, this team's really been struggling to start the year, and it shows with with one win in five games. Mm -hmm. And let me just say, as a member of Team Chaos, I say to goalies, <laughs> no, keep playing that puck. Just handle it like a grenade. It's hilarious <laughs> and uh, a lot of fun. Uh, and you know what? Hey, take a cue from Yaroslav Askarov because oh, he man. makes some mind-boggling bogging decisions with the puck, but he usually recovers, and it's so much fun to watch him play in the AHL. Um, for me, it's the Erie Otters. And again, you know, I don't think our expectations were super high for Erie because, you know, they are still a young team, but they're giving up at least five goals in every game they've played this year, usually more. Uh, that's just a lot. And hey, maybe Ben Gaudreau will be uh, the answer and, and sort of get that down. But you know, I mean, Kerry Terrance is the Anaheim uh, Ducks draft pick. You know, he's point-per-game guy, so that's not bad. Um, Andre Molnar, who, you know, maybe could have gotten drafted last year but didn't. He's only got two points. Uh, Martin Misiak, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks pick, who was coming over from the USHL, he's only got 1.4 games so far. He's a minus six. You know, Panofemis, a, a veteran player, he's got two points. Malcolm Spence has got two points. So, this is a team that I, I feel like they just really haven't gotten on track yet. And, you know, maybe Goudreau helped. You know, Spencer Sova, who had a long camp with the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, I mean, he's only played two games so far, so maybe that will help on the back end. Not that he's ever been like a defensive defenseman, but, you know, I mean, he's got the experience. So it is early, but I'm surprised that the Otters have been shellacked like they did. Now, they played Mississauga twice. Maybe that had something to do with it. Uh, you know, they played Guelph, um, but, uh, you know, they really need to sort of like get a hold of the wheel there because uh, things have been just kind of all over the place. Uh, now we'll go to surprise player. And uh, I was Freddie foreshadowing on this uh, earlier on, but Tony, uh, you have your eyes on a, a member of the Sioux Greyhounds. Yeah, Archie Cocky is a guy that came over from Finland and I expect him to be really good. I didn't expect him to be this good, though. He's been absolutely a dominant force of nature from the back end, moving the puck. He's got nine points in, in uh, six games already, five goals and four assists. This has been a guy that's been so manipulative, so fun to watch. He's come over, and he hasn't missed a beat. I think that's the thing you're always looking for with uh, import guys. Are they coming over, and are they kind of adjusting to North American hockey? Are they um, 
catching up to the speed of the game because things are a little bit tighter. It's a smaller rink. It's not as big. It's not as spacious. You don't have as much time to move. And he's been able to kind of do it with ease. He's been absolutely fantastic for the Sioux Greyhounds. He's been a leader on that back end. And we talked about in the preview that that back end was going to be a strength. And he's done everything in his power to make sure that we were right on that one. So I think Archie Karki has been a fantastic addition to the Sioux Greyhounds. And he's an early candidate to be a defenseman of the year. I think he's a surprise, sneaky, dark horse pick uh, this at the stage. Very nice. Archie Karki, of course, is a Vegas Golden Knights third rounder. Uh, kind of interesting, too, because the Golden Knights have always been good. So they really haven't graduated any prospect like Nick Haig. Uh, former OHLer is like literally the only prospect that has been an impact guy on the Golden Knights. They've of course traded players who have turned into very good NHLers. Uh, you know, Brendan Brisson might be the next one, but Arju Karki, one to watch for the future because he has a late 04 birthday. Uh, yep. So a bit older as a uh, when he was drafted. Uh, for me, it's uh, Sam Dickinson from the London Knights, one of the top prospects for the 2024 NHL draft. And I'm not surprised that he's doing well, but I'm surprised at the fact that he has six points in his first five games, because when I think of Sam Dickinson, I think defense first, and that's not a criticism. That's actually me like being impressed with how he plays the game as a young OHLer. We know he's physical. We know he's responsible and he is a two way guy. So he does have offense to his game. But for him to be at more than a point per game early on, I think really bodes well for him because he has that size and he has all those other skills. So, you know, I mean, I would have personally been happy with him putting up kind of, you know, like 40 points this year from the back end. That to me would have been super impressive. But I mean, he's on pace now, obviously, for kind of 60 or 70. And maybe that will fall off. Fair enough. But uh, I just love how, how he's played so far and, and the fact that he has six points in five games. So good on him. Uh, sticking with that theme of the 2024 NHL draft, our prospect of the week from Tony's own Windsor. Uh, it's Liam Greentree of the Spitfires. Leads all OHL draft eligibles in scoring. Uh, eight points in five games. Six for 298 pounds. Uh, he's a right winger. Uh, Tony, what's your scouting report on Liam Greentree? He's a really skilled player with size. And I think that's the biggest thing you notice when you watch him play. He's been, a, he, at one point he was in on every single goal the Windsor Spitfires have scored through three games. And now he's not slowed down, but he's a guy that hasn't had to carry the entire load. Oliver Peer and some other guys have taken some of the load off his back, but he was able to kind of carry that Windsor team on, on the offensive front. He was a guy that had, he's had points in every game this year, except for one. And he's been really, really good doing it. He showed off some speed. He scored some breakaway goals. He scored some goals from distance. And the biggest thing I like is the diversity in his game. I think we've seen a few prospects come through Windsor that have had some high-end upside, had some high-end skill that didn't quite pan out. I think of a John Luke Foody and a Will Cooley. Will Cooley had that big shot and that physical nature. And his game was kind of limited to those two things. I think you, you saw the foot speed uh, be an issue. And you saw him need that a little bit more time to develop. A bigger guy played with physical. Um, and, and now you're seeing him start to break in with the New York Rangers. John Luke Foodie was a guy that was all speed and playmaking and didn't really diversify his skill set. And I think Liam Greentree does that. I think he has the, the shot. He has the ability to get in tight. He, he plays with a little bit of power. 
the, the one thing I'd like to see from him is I'd like to see him get a bit more agile on his feet, especially in the defensive zone when he's tra- kind of tracking defenders up high and tracking guys along the wall. That's kind of the one area I'd really like to see him improve. But through transition, I think he's been one of their better players. I think he's been really, really good in the offensive zone, uh, being a really good distributor, being a great goal scorer. I think he's going to be an impact player. My biggest question for him throughout the rest of the year is, can he continue this pace? Can he continue to produce at this level? And is he going to get help from that, that uh, Windsor Spitfires team? Because they're not the greatest team. I think we've seen that through five games. I, I, I've been a little bit disappointed in not seeing some of the other guys step up. But he's really taken a center stage role for that Windsor team. So it's going to be interesting to see what he can do because he, him, AJ Spellacy, Anthony Christophero, they've got a lot of draft-eligible guys that are going to be worth paying attention to. It's just going to be whether they're going to help, get help from some of the older guys. Yeah, and I know, you know, for me, in my initial rankings, uh, which, you know, after the top 10 were more of a grab bag of sort of, you know, placing guys around, you know, guys that I thought would be in the mix. I had Green Tree in the 20s uh, in terms of uh, his ranking for the draft. I think the size and I think the goal scoring are obviously going to be, you know, something the scouts really key in on with him. And the overall numbers, I think, will probably be pretty important for him because, as you mentioned, you know, Windsor's not necessarily a great team, so you, you might not get a lot of postseason experience there, uh, or at least postseason showings, I, I should say, if you're a scout. Um, but, you know, having said that, I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities in Windsor, yeah. a lot of good ice time and a lot of looks, so that's important for him. Um, so, yeah, Liam Greentree, one to watch. With the Windsor Spitfires and Tony, that is the end of this THN on the O podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I thank you for all your knowledge and we will do this again next week. Thanks a lot. Sounds good.